Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, every week we talk about a topic that is important to our community, something that's affecting your life. Now, this evening we are going to be talking about our rail system in Cape Town. And we know that Cape Town's rail system has been in disarray for a while. But things have reached a crisis point recently following a series of arson attacks on train carriages. Of course, we have reported on that year on the shows, um, well, particularly the show that I presented, Breakfast Beat, and we also had Metro Rail on air. So a fire on 21 July at Cape Town Station destroyed seven rail coaches, and exactly a week later, more trains were set alight. Another fire on 26th of July at Retreat destroyed five carriages and then last Tuesday a seat was set alight in a train in Cape Town Station and one suspect was arrested. Now all of this is sounding very worrying, like what is going on, right? In May a commuter died in a train fire near Ottery Station and another woman suffered severe burn wounds. The fires have caused long delays for commuters using an already strained train service. Hashtag United Behind has requested that President Cyril Ramaphosa declare the recent arson attacks on trains in Cape Town a national disaster. And besides the train issue, we have seen the torching of Golden Arrow buses during yesterday's taxi strike, which further compounds the problems facing our public transport system. So the situation has become unbearable. And the question is, why is this happening? This evening, we go straight to the top. We've got Mako, that's the mayoral committee member for transport in this, at the city of Cape Town, Brett Heron, joining us now. Of course, we have a number of others joining us throughout the show. We have James Stent, in fact, in studio. He's from the activist group Unite Behind. We'll have uh, Steve Harris, the general secretary of United National Transport Union, also on the show. And we'll have Metro Rail regional manager Richard Walker on the show after 7 p.m. But right now, let's talk to the person heading up transport for the city of Cape Town, Brett Heron. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Thanks very much, Lizzie. Good evening to you. So, Brett, we've outlined for our listeners the various rail attacks that we've seen. And also yesterday, we've seen a bus, you know, uh, being uh, torched. What is going on? Well, I think that's a 50 million rand question. What is going on? I mean, we... Um when Minister Bladen Zamande and I and MEG Donald Grant met with Metro Rail and with um, the Provincial Police Commissioner and Head of Crime Intelligence and Head of Detectives, um, that was the question we were asking is, you know, where is the crime intelligence? Who benefits from all of these attacks on public transport? And, and, and who is behind it? But we don't have the answers to those questions. Um, and, and although the focus has been on rail, um, I like to remind people that there's actually a much bigger attack um, or um, force at work against the entire public transport network because the CEO of Golden Arrow Bus will tell you that he has 200 buses a month pulled off the road um, for vandalism, stoning, attempted um, attacks on their buses. And we've seen a number of attacks on the My City infrastructure, including the fact that currently the Dunoon and Usazava stations are burnt out and closed to the public. Okay. So, I mean, these are public transport services. Golden Arrow is a company, of course, that is also looking at uh, transporting people daily, you know, across the city. So... 
There have been a number of theories, and we don't really want to play sort of like into some of them, or into theories really, but we have to ask the question, though, um, is the privatization of transport, you know, frankly speaking, behind some of what's going on here, calls for the privatization of transport? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't really understand the question. Calls for the private yeah, there's a theory that this could be a means to privatize train transport. You know, I mean, is there any significance mm. to that? You know, I mean, there are a number of um, of theories and and conspiracy theories and and quite a bit of speculation. And and I prefer not to dabble in it. I am, um, you know, I. I, I there, there, there are people talking about the minibus taxi industry benefits, and it's just wrong to speculate there. I think we must leave it for the, the crime intelligence to do their work and to do their jobs and to help us identify what is behind it. I don't, I can't imagine that it's about the privatisation of the of the rail service, um, because as I said, there are attacks on um, on all of the public transport modes, and I mean, you referred yourself to the. The, the pictures we saw um, yesterday of two burning Golden Arrow buses, and we had um, three My City buses that were also attacked yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I believe there's a hundred thousand rand reward being offered for information on the suspects involved. Do you think this could be a way of? Is this helpful in any way? Well, it, it, this is the thing that that I think is most frustrating for us is that someone must know something. Um, you know, you, the modus operandi with the train has been that a passenger on, it seems that a passenger on board the train is setting the train alight by igniting the seating shortly before the train arrives in the station, and so he or she exits the train with the crowds and disappears with the crowd. Now, I can't believe that there is, isn't somewhere out, someone out there in Cape Town who doesn't know something. And I've made this appeal before that, you know, even if you think it's, minor or irrelevant, if you think you know something that could help um, put a stop to this, I really ask you to come forward. And if the 100,000 Rand um, uh, reward is an inducement um, to encourage someone to come forward and do the right thing, then um, then I'd be very grateful. Okay. We also believe that the recruitment of 100 rail enforcement officers has taken place and they have been placed on the metro rail lines. How did this initiative come about? Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so, I mean, for a long time I've been talking to Prasa and Metrorail about how we can secure the, um, the, the, the rail network so that the commuter feels safer and so that we can um, try and prevent some of this um, vandalism or attacks on the rail system. Uh, because if the rail system collapses, I must tell you, our, our city is heading for a disaster that I think is worse than the water crisis. Uh, it's worse than running out of water because, with, I mean, Metrorail should be providing 1.4 million passenger trips a day. They're currently providing about half a million passenger, passenger trips a day. And if the trains train stop working, those, those trips will, will migrate to the roads and our city will be in permanent deadlock. So for a long time we've been talking to um, to Parson Metro Rail and the province about how we can get involved in um, in a pilot project that will provide policing on the network. And then finally, in, after a lot of engagement and not really not really moving forward, although everyone agreed it was a good idea, I called a meeting on the 9th of February this year with all the role players and 
we managed in a room, in a closed room, to reach agreement, um, and a contract was drawn up, and the three parties have signed it to the Western Cape government in the city, and each party commits to funding this um, dedicated unit um, in equal parts, so we're each paying a third of the cost, and those officers are now being um, trained and should be deployed um, hopefully by the end of September. Okay, so the city of Cape Town, Prasa, and the third one was? The Western Cape Provincial Government. The Western Cape Provincial Government is putting money into employing 100 rail enforcement officers who are now being, who are going to be trained shortly. Yeah, so last week at MAKO, the, um, the, the recruitment and, or the appointment of 100 officers um, was approved. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this unit will report to our, to, in terms of a command, to the Metro, head of Metro Police or law enforcement. Um, and they are busy um, with the training and recruitment. But what they've, to- they've told us is in order to speed up the process, they will use officers that have already been trained or gone through some of the training um, and have been deployed in, in other units um, and, then use, and then use the extra 100 um, um, to, to make up you know, where those people are moved from. So, yes, the training and the, and the recruitment is underway. Okay. Um, now, I'd also like to come to a summit that was held with stakeholders in the rail transport industry, and that happened this year. And the focus was the loss of rail capacity through destruction of rolling stock and vandalism. Um, were you part of that? Were you there? Yes, that is yeah. the meeting that I, that, that I was referring to. That I oh, it's that meeting. Okay, yeah. So I, was, I called that summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so there were two things that we, we discussed was, uh, um, a safety and crime um, uh, project, and then um, the second thing was how how do we get to increase the capacity um, of the rail service? In other words, to get back to 88 train sets, which is the bare minimum we need. And of course, the two are linked because if we can secure the, the rail system so that vandalism and destruction doesn't take place, that gives Metro Rail the breathing space in order to. Um, repair the damaged trains and get them back into service. Mm-hmm. My last question before we go for ad breaks, of course, the city of Cape Town, you are the mayoral committee member for transport. So what do you, what do you want from Metro Rail? They are operating in the city. They are not run by the city. But what do you want from them? <laughs> I mean, if I could have my wish list. Um, well, at least to solve the current situation. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what what we're looking for is a fully functional rail system, and that means um, although the bare minimum trains we need is 88 full train sets, that means a locomotive and 12 carriages attached to that locomotive. So we need to get up to that at least. I would like to see it at about 105 to 110 trains. So you want, them, you want them to increase their capacity. I'm sorry to cut your word. It's only because I have two important questions from listeners. By the way, this show is all about our listeners. They send in questions, Brett. I'd like to ask the questions before we go for the ad break. The first question is, how much is the city spending? And the second question is, why is the city using ratepayers' money to assist Prasa? That's from our listeners. So, I mean, we the, the, the total cost of the project is 48 million rand, um, of which about 25 million rand is starting cost. The rest is equipment. So we will buy um, city-owned motorcycles and vehicles and radios and firearms, etc. So the total cost is 48 million. That um, obviously um, 
not all of it is staffing, so some of it is assets. And the reason why we're getting involved is because, as I said earlier, if the rail system collapses, our city will, will collapse. Mm-hmm. We have, um, there are currently 500,000 passenger trips a day made on that rail system, which is operating at less than half of its capacity. Um, if people are um, on the road, they will know that our traffic congestion has increased. It's doubled, so the peak hours are now two, uh, four hours instead of two hours long, and that's because people have been displaced from rail onto road. And if the system collapses entirely, so it doesn't, it is unable to operate. I think our our city will will, will come to a complete standstill, and it will be a disaster for us socially and economically. Okay. And that's why we're doing it. Fantastic. And then just to confirm, the city is only going to pay a third of forty-eight million. That's correct. We're okay. paying sixteen million, and the other two parties are paying sixteen million each. Yeah. Well, that was Brett Hender. and thank you very much for joining us on Burning Issues. The mayoral committee member for transport at the city of Cape Town. The Burning Issue. This is Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, like I said this evening, we want to understand Metro Rail, the impact of burning trains, and what's happening in our city. Uh, we have in studio James Stent. He is an activist with Unite Behind. James, good evening. Hi, Yazid. Thank How you. are you? Very well, thank you. Good. James is going to be talking to us about a number of um, matters here um, relating to Metro Rail specifically. But I also just want to thank our listeners for your interaction. It's always welcome and always appreciated on the show. You can send us a WhatsApp throughout the show. The number is 072-238-0712. That's 072-238-0712. You can also phone us live on air. The number is 021-442-3530. And let me just get the disclaimer out of the way the views expressed in this program are not the views of the voice of the cape it's management or staff so james yeah tonight we're focusing on a series of arson attacks on cape town's railway system which has adversely affected tens of thousands of commuters who rely on the service to reach schools and places of employment every day so we of course would love to know like everybody else what is behind these attacks and what should national government be doing to address this crisis of course we've spoken before the break to the mayoral committee at the city of cape town and he's given us a whole lot of answers he's saying that they want to employ 100 rail enforcement officers it's going to cost the city 16 million rand but let's now hear from unite behind yeah these rail attacks these arson attacks aren't as recent a phenomenon as we might think since 2015 carriages have been burnt depots have been attacked um and there seems to us to be a strong correlation between instability in Prasa and attempts to root out state, corrupt, state capture that's uh, happened in Prasa and these arson attacks. So if you look back to 2015 when the public prosecutor's uh, derailed report first came out, we noticed a spate of arson attacks uh, affecting Cape Town's trains uh, in October of that year. Again in 2017, in April, following uh, Popo Malefe, who was the former chair of Prasa, his reinstatement to the board, again we saw trains being burnt. And yet again, as, as we're seeing now, arson attacks are ruining carriages, wrecking trains and infrastructure. And we feel that there's a strong link or strong likelihood that this is linked to the corruption-busting efforts that are going on at Prasa at this minute. 
And we know that there are networks of state capture that still exist within Prasa, that are still uh, stealing money from us as citizens. And we believe that it, it, involves, it needs a concerted effort from the very top to change this. That's why uh, last week we declared, or we wrote to President Ramaphosa and asked that commuter rail in Cape Town uh, should be declared a national disaster. Okay. Look, I want to ask you a question, though. I forgot to ask you this question. Um, James, for the benefit of our listeners, can you please tell us what is Unite Behind? Sure. Uh, Unite Behind is a voluntary association of people's movements and legal policy and research and support organizations. So we're dedicated to building a just and equal society where all people share in the country's wealth, participate in decisions that affect their lives and where the environment is sustainably protected for future generations. We include in our... uh, in our membership, uh, Equal Education, Sonke, Gender Justice, SJC, um, support organizations like Interfundo Aquasi and Equal Education Law Center, among others. So, I mean, you know, somebody sitting at home now will be asking why should they listen to you, you know, like why should, you, why should they care? But I mean, are you essentially saying that you are looking out for the public? We've been running a campaign dedicated to uh, fixing Cape Town's trains called fix our trains hashtag fix our trains since last year uh this happened when following um our release to us of uh, leaked treasury documents which uh, indicated the full extent of state capture in prasa and since then we've been listening to commuters uh holding activist forums doing popular education um doing everything we possibly can to get a commuter's voice out there we see very little political action, very little unified political action. This is from the city, from the province and national level, and we can't sustain a train system like this any longer. I mean, you were saying in the break that you think it's maybe a bit too late, that they are only going to send 100 rail enforcement officers out in TDC closer to the end of the year, was it? End of September. Yeah. This MOU between the city, Prasa, and, and the province was signed in February, and we're in August now. And that indicates the level of political uh, inaction that permeates our whole country. Where was the city in January when the central line, which services commuters from Mitchell's Plain and Kyalicha, when, when that was out of service for six or eight weeks? We're down to one train an hour on Central Line. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Look, I mean, I can tell you that some mornings I present a show here called Breakfast Beat, and it's early in the morning where people are busy getting, you know, on the train, on the bus, on the taxi, and very often Metro Rail will say, Lines are delayed. Lines are delayed. You'll just like, like you'll just go down this. You say all the signs are delayed. Listeners, I just want to thank you, for, of course, for your input. Um, Shukran, thank you so much. We will just go to the WhatsApp line very quickly and look at what some people have to say. Um, listener five four five oh six is saying, close down the. I don't know what that is. A bucket shop. Basically, close down the people who collect scrap, right? Yeah. Saying because they must be closed down to curb illegal scrap because that's of course one of the things that's 
yeah, the attacks is also about that. Um, another listener, 9186, is saying the arson attacks are perpetrated by people that have no humanity in their hearts for those who travel by train. And then listener 4170 is saying while the Golden Arrow buses were on strike during April this year, many armed robberies and assaults happened on the taxis and no action was taken by the police. So, yeah, that's also another thing. The the knock-on effect of the crime. Uh, James, I want to talk to you about... Any, is there anything else, babe, maybe, that you can touch on in response to the city? Because we've given the, the official, we've given the politicians now, of course, to speak and tell us what they are going to do. So as an activist organization, following what politicians are doing, is, is there any critique or anything that you, that you have to say in, in response to that? Well, linked to your first WhatsApp uh, message, the... The, the problem, one of the problems in faced by the trains is this, this copper theft that leads to signaling delays. And we are of the view that this is as much sabotage as the arson attacks are sabotage and leads to the same consequence, which is a crippled rail system. Um, but it's not just the bucket shop dealers that need to be identified. It, yeah. They're just the very bottom level of a much bigger system. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, Unite Behind uh, protested, uh, I think it was about 120 of us in front of SA Metal, uh, asking for their yards we spoke to, to we, we had you on the show, not you specifically, but there was somebody else on the yeah. breakfast show. I, I interviewed the person about that, yeah. And we considered this the same, the same as they say, in the same WhatsApp group, um, where, where our state infrastructure is being destroyed, we need to understand this as sabotage. Uh, it affects our economy yeah. and it affects the the quality of life for all of Cape Town citizens. In fact, I'd like to hear from citizens as well, listener. If you take the train in the morning, if you have any experiences, tell us what's been happening. You can phone us you live on air. The number is 021-442-3530. The WhatsApp line is 072-238-0712. I can certainly tell you that some shops that I've gone to. Um, you know, as a result of the transport situation, um, there are long queues in some shops even, you know, because uh, people aren't coming to work. They can't get to work. Yeah. Um, I also want to ask you a bit about, you know, the whole thing about politically motivated some people are talking about like the attacks are being politically motivated. I mean, there's so many opinions, right? And so many theories of what's happening. Um, and that's why it's good to talk to people who are monitoring this stuff. And that's what you guys are doing. So, I mean, you've mentioned this state capture, mm. right? Um, what else comes with that? Politics? Uh, well, politics is, inse is inseparable from state capture. Um, Today we saw the story in the city press of VBS relying on Nkosasana uh, Dlamini Zuma's election, or which didn't transpire, to secure the VBS loan from from Prasa. And, okay. Um, Th that's the kind of networks. Yeah. So now we are going to be joined by Premier Helen Ziller. Um, Premier, good evening. Welcome to uh, Burning Issue. Good evening, Yazid. I'm so sorry. I, I was busy elsewhere, and I'm very, very sorry that I kept you waiting. It's all good. We've had Brett telling us about the city's plans. He said that the city is planning to spend a third of 48 million rand towards employing 100 rail enforcement officers on the metro rail lines, and that will be a joint initiative. But we are very curious to know what the Premier makes of it, and of course, at a provincial level, what, what, what's being done? 
Well, what is being done is that we're looking to pass a provincial law. Because transport is, or public transport is, a concurrent function, but it's very complex because it's governed by a lot of national laws and the constitutional situation for when you are trying to legislate in an area already governed by national law is very difficult. But we are trying to find a law and a way through this minefield to pass a law that will enforce certain standards on rail and, if not, give us measures that can hold the National Department accountable. Okay, and is this something that is going to be happening soon or what's the timeline for this? Well, I read through a draft of the law yesterday. I think it needs to be beefed up in certain respects, so I've got a meetings tomorrow to discuss it. It's a time to go through the legislative process, so I will be delighted if I end my term of office with that law in place. That would be really, very, very good, because that will give us some serious teeth. Of course, the city should have much more power over rail, and there is a framework that gives the city much more power over rail. But if the province wants to use oversight job properly, just like with community safety, where we don't have direct powers either, we have to have a clear definition of what oversight entails, what we're empowered to do, so that we can do it and hold Prasa and Metro Rail accountable. Mm -hmm. And could you maybe just give us some idea of the kind of standards that should be improved? What are the kind of things that we need from uh, from Metro Rail? We need punctuality. We need safety. We need a modicum of cleanliness and decency in all the coaches. And we need safety. I don't know if I've mentioned safety, but we mm-hmm. definitely need safety as a, as, a, as a priority. Most people should be back on rail. You know, the most amazing thing is that the number of people using our rail system has actually halved, although our population has almost doubled in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, our listeners, of course, are very attentive. And one of the listeners actually asked Brett Heron, he, the listener said, why is the city using ratepayers' money to help Prasa and Metro Rail? So would would some of the, would this law sort of like be holding them now accountable and saying, you know what, we shouldn't be as a city spending money of ratepayers to get security on a train service that another, another party is providing? You know, I'm afraid, Yazid, that in education, for example, we have to put school safety officers at school, although that's not our mandate at all, but otherwise our children would be at much greater risk than they are. We have to spend so much money on security as a government because the police are under-resourced. We are going to have to pursue that as much as we can, and I see, and I put it out on social media, that in three or four other provinces, the police are working with the SANDF, working closely together with the SANDF, but not in the Western Cape, and I don't understand why that is. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, as the Premier in the province, w- what do you make of these attacks? I mean, arson attacks, buses being attacked, you know, is, is politics behind this? What is going on? Look, I don't want to speculate about what's behind it because the job is of the police and crime intelligence to do the investigation and to find out what the interests are behind this. All I can say is that it's definitely orchestrated, that it is definitely manipulated from somewhere else. The guys who are actually setting the trains alight are not the people with the motive. They are just 
the operatives who are on the ground doing it on behalf of somebody else and presumably getting paid to do it. But they're not the guys who are driving it. And I've heard all kinds of speculation around this. I don't want to join in the speculation. I know that somebody was arrested last week. That person was questioned and was let go because there wasn't any evidence to link him to the actual arson of the train. So I'm afraid we're back to square one, but we have to rely on crime intelligence, and that is a branch of the police. Okay. Well, Premier, please do keep us updated on the proposed, or well, the plans rather, to have a, a law enforced to hold Prasa and Metro Rail accountable. Um, is there any, any other remarks in closing? Well, I really do think that the direction that we must go in is public-private partnerships in terms of rail. Several of our railway lines should be absolutely viable. They should be working like clockwork, and where the government should be putting its money and its attention and effort is the central line, the one that goes right through the very poorest suburbs to Kailicha, because that can, those communities really rely on a good rail service, so the government should concentrate on those and then get at least public-private partnerships or even privatize the other lines so that they can become viable and subsidize the central line. I think there's a whole lot of stuff that can be done around that. So we pump public money into the resources where people are most reliant on public transport. Yeah, but and, and, and how does one maintain um, private transport in terms of affordability to the consumer? Now, this is public-private partnerships, which would mean it would be largely government subsidized as well, but run by the private sector to make sure that all the things are right. Punctuality, safety, cleanliness, uh, decent comfort, that kind of thing. And then you can also have things like breakfast carriages and stuff which you can use to cross-subsidize and all of those kinds of ideas. Mm -hmm. The Southern Suburbs line should be entirely viable. Okay. I, I do just want to ask one last question from one of our listeners. Our listeners are always very interactive on the show. Um, That's great. Listener 0115 says, does the Premier think the law should declare the attack on parastatals as acts of terrorism against South Africa? Well, I certainly think they should be sabotage. I certainly think that if somebody is caught burning a train, it's not just brandstichting or arson or malicious damage to property. It's much, much more than that. People are crippling the infrastructure that this country relies on, and at the very least, it should be sabotage. Okay. Well, that is Premier Alan Zilla. We thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you for sharing your views and enjoy the rest of the evening. It's a pleasure, Yazid, and may I apologize again. Yes. Hi, Brett. <laughs> it's all good. Thank you very much for you, Alan Zilla. Thanks a lot. Bye. The Burning Issue. This is The Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening, we are talking about metro rail, public transport. Trains are being burnt. Buses are being burnt. We don't know what's going on in the province. We're asking the political leaders, activists, and, of course, others who are still going to come on the show. We've spoken already to Brett Heron. He's the city of Cape Town's mayoral committee member, and he's saying that the city is going to take ratepayers' money and put security guards on the trains, and hopefully things will, you know be solved and then of course we had Premier Helen Zilla on air just now and the Premier was saying that she wants to actually use the law to force Metro Rail to make the train safer that is something that she looks at um, 
yeah, doing. Uh, we also will now speak to Steve Harris. He's the General Secretary of United National Transport Union. And of course, we want to bring the union on just to get their perspective and insight on what's happening in our city. Why are all these trains being burnt? We need to understand what's going on. Steve, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Hello, Steve. Hi. Hi, good evening. Hi. Good evening to your listeners. Steve, what's going on? Why are all these trains being burnt? What, is, what does the union know? Well, we obviously surmise there's a third, there's a third force involved. And uh, uh, hence the fact we've called on the Minister of Police to put a... a, a experienced uh, investigation team together to find out who's sitting behind the torching of these trains because you cannot tell me that these trains are just catching a light by themselves uh, you don't chuck a match on 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 the seat and it starts burning uh, to such an extent the way that these carriages have been burning it's been expedited by by some sort of fluid, uh, and, and this is why these trains are burning. Now, it's very difficult to surmise and, 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 and to, to uh, um, make your own calling as to why you believe uh, uh, what is going on there. We say, uh, Minister of Police, Becky Kelly, get your act in gear and get a, a, a team together and start the investigation. Find these culprits and deal with it. These are state-owned enterprises. The state has a 100% responsibility to ensure that state-owned enterprises' assets are secured at all times. And this is not normal, uh, uh, um, shall I say, uh, fighting or anything to this extent. This is totally beyond control now. Okay. I need to ask you, though, can you maybe just elaborate a bit about third force? This is something that's come up now in various interviews this evening. What is meant by a third force? Well, obviously, there's someone that's sitting behind us that believes it has got some interest and can receive some benefit. And and, and, and by ensuring that, that, that people uh, uh, cannot use the trains, be it that they might be in line to have these trains repaired. I don't know. Be it that they've got uh, uh, alternative modes of transport which they believe uh, they can put into use. I don't know. Okay. If one looks now at the union and its workers, are you concerned for the safety of your workers as well? Surely this must be something that you are concerned about. Obviously we're concerned about the workers. Uh, because they are members, and you can imagine the fear that they go to work with on a daily basis, not knowing whether they're going to come out alive at the end of the day back home uh, after a shift, because they've just been very fortunate that with the fires that have taken uh, place up to now, there's been no incident, uh, no serious incidents as far as lives are concerned. So you can imagine the fear that these uh, uh, our members must work under. Okay, and do you do you have? Can you maybe just tell us how many workers, you know, what percentage, or just in numbers, how many of the workers that work on Metro Rail in the Western Cape are actually part of your union? 
Well, we represent uh, at this point in time 50 percent plus of the workers in uh, uh, um, the whole of Praza, of which the uh, the, the majority. I would say in the Western Cape would be in excess of 60%. Okay, and then that's people, of course, who work on Metro Rail, just to confirm. That's correct, yeah. It's drivers, it's uh, uh, the guards, it is the engineering technicians, it's the technicians, it's the welders, the people that lay the rail, it's the train control officers, it's the ticket sales officers, it's security guards. Gotcha, the whole gotcha, gotcha. Now, Metro Rail is the employer. Metro Rail is saying, here's a job, I want you to work here, but just watch out, this train might get burnt. What do you say to the employer? Well, hence the fact we have uh, an agreement currently where there's supposed to be security. No no person should be using a train without security being given. The problem that faces us is how how trained is the security that's there. That's the problem that we sit with. And, and, and you can imagine the security is most probably issued with a a, a normal uh, a 9mm firearm whilst he is facing people that have got AK-47. So what is his chance of survival in the process should he be attacked and shot at? Yeah, but I mean, let's talk about accountability here. You know, I mean... What are you saying? Should meet, what well, should meet, what do you want to do? should take accountability. If it becomes unsafe, they should not run the trains. It's unfortunate. And this is where we say government's not coming to the party. Remember, you can, you, you can blame the operator as much as you want to, which is Metro Rail. But at the end of the day, government is the owner of Metro Rail. I mean, if government can plow 20-odd billion into SAL to keep it alive. What is government doing to assist Metro Rail to ensure that it can deliver a proper service to the poorest of the poorest? Okay. I just quickly want to go to our WhatsApp line because there are some uh, this feedback coming in from our listeners. Um, let's just look at what listeners are saying. Um, hmm. Okay. So, Listener 9186 says, I'm worried about the police that will be trained for the rail lines. What if these guys turn a blind eye? Okay. What if the, essentially this person is saying, what if they are corrupt? Okay. By the way, what do you think about the 100 people who will be employed to ensure safety on the train, Steve? I, uh, we, we, we look forward to that. However, I state emphatically, if they are properly trained and they are properly uh, uh, um, supervised, then it can only be to the benefit of all. The benefit of the workers, the benefit of the commuters. Okay. Listener 6535 says, We will never win the war with cable and copper theft because when we, the people, call SAPS to report people burning cable, they just say they are coming but never pitch and SAPS and law enforcement drive past. Okay, that is another viewpoint well, there. Ob- obviously, this is where you need a proper uh, 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 policing force that looks only after rail. And this is what we've said on numerous occasions. If I'm not mistaken, the last figure we heard, there were something like 69 police uh, people that are supposed to be uh, looking after rail. How can 69 people look after rail? And then they're not even on the rail. 
they 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 sitting most probably on stations, uh, and 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 if they are there, okay. you need the railway police back in full force. And then apart from that, you need to employ the latest equipment to be able to ensure that cable theft is minimized to the minimum that it can do. And we had presentations made to us in January by 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 um, security forces. And if they implement that on the whole line, I can assure you we can have a safe environment. Okay. We have listener 0115 who says, the mere fact that Premier Zilla mentions the word privatization of some components of the railway system is unacceptable and should never be allowed. Parish titles are not for sale and that's non-negotiable. What do you think about the possibility of even privatizing rail transport, Steve? I don't believe that uh, uh, the, the roads should be privatized. I don't think you'll have sufficient investment at this point in time, taking cognizance of the uh, uh, um, condition of the current rail system. Uh, obviously, if you had a, a proper rail system running, you might have had people interested, but you, you can imagine the amount of money that you ever want to buy uh, will have to employ and, and, and put in. And you can imagine the prices that people are going to have to pay at the end of the day to cover the costs of those investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly the question that I had asked the Premier when she had mentioned the possibility of pro- or the calls for privatization. Steve, uh, James, what do you think about that? We have James Stent in here as well. Steve, uh, Steve is from Unite Behind, which is a lobby group or an activist uh, group. Uh, hello, James. Hi. Yeah, Just privatization. On privatization, it... it we're wholly opposed. Um, it seems that that she called on it on private public partnerships, which is you know a buzzword from the 90s that really doesn't mean any significant improvement in the actual functioning of the rails. We wonder where she's been for the last however long. Suddenly, now that it's a hot issue, she's back. But um, really, where where's her government? What's her province been doing to address the spatial apartheid? which currently pervades Cape Town. Um, she has this Copperhead unit, which is typical of the surface-level policies that kind of define her government. Instead of actually going after the major-level uh, copper syndicates, she takes bucket shops out of the equation. We want to know, will she support the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industries call for the banning of all copper exports? Will she, dare she go for that kind of measure which will see a significant reduction in copper theft we see our copper being exported over to India to China that we are effectively subsidizing their infrastructure where's that kind of action where's that kind of lobbying where's the mass action from from Premier Zilla Okay, we are going to have to wrap up now, Steve, from your side. Any closing remarks? Because we are going to have to go for an ad break now. Actually, we're going to, yeah, sorry, yeah. I I want to add on to what Jane was saying, and that is exactly the biggest problem. There's too many scrapyards that are unsupervised in terms of the law. Although the law has been changed, it's obviously insufficient. And uh, there's no one that is really taking control. 
and 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 and, and uh, uh, exercising their rights in terms of law to go and see what's happening in these scrapyards. And there's too many scrapyards uh, all over the show that are unsupervised and unregulated. Mm-hmm. And that is Steve Harris, the General Secretary of United National Transport Union. Steve, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Wonderful. We are now going to break for the Ishai Adhan, and we'll be back soon. We are now in the last stretch of the program. I'm your host, Yazid Kamal. In this evening, we have had a number of role players talking about what's happening in our city around the metro rail service, particularly arson attacks on trains. And it's very important for us now to welcome Richard Walker to the show. He's the metro rail regional manager. Good evening, Richard, and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening, Yazid. Listeners. Richard, I can tell you there are a number of questions I need to ask you. Um, we've had, I don't know if you've been listening to the program, but we've had Premier Helen Zilla on the show. We've had the mayoral committee member, Brett Heron. You know, he's the mayor member for transport in the city. We've had him on. We also had uh, Steve Harris from the, he's the general secretary of the United National Transport Union. And in studio, we also have James Stent. He's an activist from the organization called Unite Behind. So it's very important to get Metro Rail on. Richard, the first most important question obviously is what does Metro Rail make of what's going on? What is happening? Why are the trains being set alight? Well, obviously, um, you know, without wanting to speculate, uh, we've seen this uh, spate of uh, uh, arson attacks on in the system starting around 2015. Uh, at a point when we were basically, you know, uh, basically busy stabilizing the system, we were running 87 train sets. And I think in that month of October 2015, we saw 16 coaches go up in flames. Now, the number is stretching now to about 149. Uh, since 2015, and obviously, you know, that has a huge impact. Uh, I think the the issue for us is, with, like I said, without wanting to speculate, it's important for us, while there's, there could be a number of theories, but to get proper, you know, intelligence, uh, you know, and therefore we are working closely with SEPs to get really to the motive of, of why this is happening, why is there this attack on the system. Um, so that we obviously, you know, can uh, get uh, to the people who are responsible for it and, and hold them accountable, but more importantly, also, you know, bring them to account and bring them to book. So, uh, you know, okay. I don't think it's going to assist us to speculate, but rather to work with SEPs, try and get as much information, also call on, on people, you know, that have information within communities and the public to come okay. forward and, 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 and assist us with that. Richard, that's a lot of trains being put. Mm-hmm. 2015 to now is a few years, right? Yeah. I mean, without trying to sound offensive, what is taking so long to catch the people? What is taking so long to catch the criminals? Well, uh, I think, you know, that's uh, a question, obviously, we need to also probably put to the, um, you know, um, all, uh, the authorities that is responsible for uh, the investigations, uh, you know, into these attacks. Uh, you know, obviously, when we have this happening within the system, it immediately becomes a, a, a crime scene. Police takes over. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, we have had a number of, of a couple of arrests, uh, you know, through uh, in, in, with some of these incidents. You know, it's unfortunate we were not able then, you know, to come up with uh, enough evidence. 
to actually, you know, uh, bring these perpetrators sort of or, or have a strong case against them. And we've had, you know, a couple of instances where the courts have actually then, you know, thrown out uh, these cases, given the fact that we've not probably had strong enough evidence to link the individuals that were arrested to these cases. So it's got to do with, you know, making sure we get enough information, we follow up on those leads, and it's an ongoing it's an ongoing investigation. And, you know, we've, we've been behind the scenes working with SAPS, and, you know, we feel that, you know, we, we're probably close to, to making a breakthrough into why we are, are seeing this happening within our system. Is there a particular modus operandi that we need to, uh, that, that you guys are finding, or is it just all very random? Look, there's obviously a couple of trends that we have picked up uh, over the years. Firstly, I need to indicate, if we look at most of the incidents, and I'm, I'm probably you know, going to say as high as 98%, most of these incidents happened while our trains were either staged, um, you know, after service. Staged, uh, you mean staging, they, they, they're parking? Areas, Are they well, parked, yeah, yeah. stabled, uh, you know, after service. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, after peak, uh, it happened outside of the peak services. So I want to immediately eliminate the issue of where, you know, it could be linked to commuters being angry because of, of, of you know, uh, poor service issues on the days. And, and, you know, that has been one trend that we've picked up. It happened outside of peak or after the service has actually stopped uh, for the day. And then secondly, what we have also picked up, you know, um, we've also picked up that some of, of them also happened with some other events that has been happening maybe uh, you know some protest action um, you know there's also been that type of type of link which were totally unrelated you know in most instances um, to you know the metro rail operations and then I think thirdly more recently what we have seen you know um, there as a pattern that, it, that emerged that it, it happened uh, off-peak as these trains would approach, you know, uh, the areas that that have been targeted was the, the southern suburbs line, uh, trains going towards Retreat, Heathfield, uh, Steenberg and Southfield area. We've lost a number of, of, of coaches there in, in the recent incident. And then we've had the two incidents in Cape Town Station, uh, re- the most recent ones, as well as an attempted train burning in Cape Town Station. All the same modus operandi. The train departs from the one station, uh, you know, perfectly fine, all in order. But when it gets to the the next station, you know, uh, you know, it's it's already burning uh, quite out of control. And uh, you know, we then, you know, you you can easily come to the conclusion that you know that the train has basically been deliberately set alight. We've also, as part of our investigations, do a a you know uh, an inspection of the high tension compartment which is basically the compartment where the train is powered from um, and getting the power from the overhead power supply and in all instances we have basically concluded that you know there was no electrical fault that was the uh, the cause of the fires so we've, we've picked up those type of patterns okay uh, you know, now now what is very recently. yeah now what is very clear is that the person who set the train alight is obviously on the train. If you're saying the train departs from the one station, and then, you know, like wherever it stops, it it's burnt. It sounds like the person's on the train. Well, uh, in terms of the the, the the modus operandi in the last, you know, that would be that could be a conclusion that could be drawn based on what you know the the events as it has been recorded. 
uh, in the report that, that we have, you know, um, compiled uh, as part of the investigation. Okay. Um one of our listeners, 9186, is suggesting that you should put video cameras on your, inside the trains. But, I mean, that just sets yourself up for theft, right? I mean, but what do you think of that idea of video cameras on the train? Look, um, we obviously have got a very old fleet. You know, our trains are 40 years plus old. Uh, we basically just uh, sort of overhaul them at a periodic basis, on a periodic basis. And therefore, we are now busy with the modernization program, which includes also, you know, the procurement of a new fleet. We've already got 18 of these sets operating in Gauteng. And we, we, in terms of the program of it being rolled out, will receive ours towards the end of 2019, beginning 2020. And one of the capabilities, you know, on those trains is actually onboard uh, surveillance. Now, now that would assist, you know, in these incidents. But obviously, to now retrofit the entire fleet currently, you know, whilst we're bringing in the new fleet, you know, uh, probably it, it's not the most cost-effective, you know, way of dealing with it. But what we are doing as part of also the modernisation, a number of our stations already are fitted with uh, CCTV, you know, um, capability, um, mm-hmm. and you know, we're probably looking at around. Uh, plus minus 50 stations already that have that capability. What I have been challenging, though, is to keep it functioning because it's also prone to being vandalized and, and, and you know, also the cable theft. But I'm glad to, to indicate that as of last week, we were able to bring back the CCTV surveillance on the area central line. And basically, we've got about, about 15, 16 stations, which is online with CCTV on the central line. So our priority now is to ensure that we get the stations where we have rolled out the CCTV to get it functioning, operating and maintain it then whenever it gets vandalized just to ensure that it functions, you know, on a continuous and regular basis. By the way, what is the cost of the losses been this year alone? Look, this year, the last two incidents, we were the estimated cost by our technical team, rolling stock team, was sitting at about uh, 50, 51 million. And, you know, we can probably safely estimate, if we look at all the incidents, we're probably in excess already of 70 million just for the recent incidents uh, that we've had in the system. And that's uh, to date, that, all mm-hmm. the train fires, it's already more than 300 million in estimated costs, you know, which we've lost in terms of the 149 coaches uh, since October the 2015. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Um you know, I just want to come back to the causes. We've had some guests saying that there's a third force involved. What does Metro Rail say about that? Look, I think I've dealt with this uh, in this very first question. Um, if, there, if there is anybody that has a theory or have information that would assist us to share that with, with the police or with ourselves, you know, um, there's just been a hundred thousand rand reward annou- announced by you know the uh, the the province, uh, you know, uh, together with with the premier. We've also put out our own reward of of twenty five thousand rand. While there's a lot of theories, I think we need to get to the facts. And uh, in what what is a known fact, it, it is that this perpetrator is some is some way in the community. And somebody knows what this individual is doing, you know, and I think people need to come forward. It's state assets that's being torched, it's assets that's being paid for by taxpayers' uh, money. And, you know, it's an essential 
uh, asset that services very poor communities. And I think, you know, we must have a sense of ownership and communities need to come forward so that we can really stop the senseless acts, which yeah. is actually ultimately, you know, commuters are bearing the brunt of yeah. the daily basis. Richard, we are going to go for an ad break now. I've got a couple more questions that I need to ask you after this. Imagine a karate match between a black belt and a white belt. Ooh, it wouldn't be very pretty. At Dulux, we make sure you match the right colors. Dulux paint comes in every color you can think of. Visit their stores, Dulux Paint Center in Maitland and House of Paint in Deep River for a free consultation and expert advice on the perfect match. Find Dulux on Facebook for more. Dulux, let's color. Love is behind all the greatest stories of our lives. And the greatest love of all is Allah's. The first ten days of Dhul Hijjah are the days most loved by Allah. So give Qurbani in 30 countries worldwide. Give Qurbani. Give love with Islamic relief. Listen up, Skapstad. Now, if you're looking for a one-stop chop shop, the Lamborghini of all meat markets, the Bifana Bifana of butchers, make no mistake. For the best quality and the best price in Grassy Park, pick and pay local stores, Blue Dance and Athlone, there's only one place where you'll find the perfect meaty steak. Busy Corner Meat Hyper Stores. So don't be a chop man. Make a bull run down to Busy Corner Meat Hyper Stores, where people meet. Yours is a story of color and paint, brushes, buckets, and wallpaper. The pure delight when it looks just how you imagined. Because you don't just want to redecorate, you're creating your own living space. That's why you come to us. At Builders, we're happy to help. And you'll get the best deals on the widest range of quality products. Yeah, we know, you're not just a doer, you're a builder. Get to Builders, get it done. Welcome to newly opened Mazari Restaurant, where you can experience elegance and true indulgence. With a picturesque setting, our sophisticated menu includes a choice from great steaks, seafood and pastas, and so much more. Our dishes are authentically prepared and beautifully presented. Come and enjoy our distinct flavors for a memorable, mouth-watering dining experience, which is sure to impress the most committed of foodies. Find us at 189 Bay. Tengrach Street or 70 New Church Street, Cape Town and give us a call on 021-707-1001 Mazari Restaurant So we are talking to Richard Walker, he's the regional manager for Metro Rail and of course this evening on Burning Issue we've been talking or trying to understand why the trains are being burnt. We would now like to come to some of the points that Premier Helen Ziller made on the show and of course we'd like to hear Metro Rail's uh, response to that. So the Premier said, uh, Richard, are you there? Yeah, okay, awesome. So the Premier said that she wants to get a provincial law that would enforce standards on rail and she would then 
envisaged to use that law to hold Metro Rail accountable for safety, security, good service, etc. And what would your response be to that? I mean, isn't it expected that you would be doing this irrespective of being taken to court? Yeah, surely. You know, um, we obviously operate, you know, um, and we report uh, into the Department of uh, National Transport. Um, uh, and, you know, PRASA is the uh, agency that operates under which Metro Rail is a division on behalf of, uh, of, of government. And obviously there's a, there's a performance compact which has clear standards that, that obviously we need to comply with. Um, we also working very closely with the uh, city of Cape Town, which is the planning authority in terms of the uh, National Land Transport Act uh, for planning of public transport within the city. And within that, you know, relationship, we are already working towards, you know, performance standards, which we together, you know, with the city um, agreed to. And, you know, there's a lot of interaction in terms of the, the planning um, of, of, of transport, the rail services. So I think, you know, there's already a foundation laid for, for that type of, um, you know, standards uh, which the uh, obviously the premier would have uh, referred to mm-hmm. um you know i need to Richard, Richard, you know, i'm going to ask you yeah. i'm going to ask you a big favor we have three minutes left for the show yeah. um please condense the answers because there are like two or three more questions that i really want to get through sure yeah so in a nutshell is there a need for yet another law to over to have oversight on what prasa or rather on what metro rail is doing look there's uh, there's a current process uh, uh, you know like I said, through the National Department, uh, which is the white uh, paper in terms of rail uh, policy. And, and I'm surely, you know, that process has must have its course. You know, I'm not going to, to comment on, on, on that. And I think, you know, it's for the, the National Department of Transport to comment on that type of, uh, you know, co- um, statement. Okay. By the, by the Privatization. Team. The Premier has said that perhaps a public-private part- partnership would be better for Metro Rail. A response to that. What, what do no, you say? Once again, it's a, it's a policy issue. You know, these are things which are currently uh, in the pipeline. Um, and, you know, all stakeholders, uh, all role players are part of the, the, the public participation, participation process, and as would be the city um, as well as the province. So, you know, those processes are underway, and I think those, they must run their course, you know. Uh-huh. Now, I'm looking at a newspaper article, and it quotes you talking about the six security service providers, and it says that... Uh, there are issues related to performance and specifically to the terms and agreements stipulated in the security contracts. What is the problem there? Is that maybe leading to a lack of security on the railway lines? Well, I think you need to refresh my memory. I've been giving a lot of statements, so you need to indicate to me which particular statement okay. you're making reference to. Yeah, it's, it's the News 24 article, you know, published on the 3rd of August. And it just looks at the fact that 32 coaches were damaged. And then, um, you know, it's, it's an article where you are quoted as saying that there is a challenge in terms of security performance. But um, also, you know, it just, it just seems that the security situation isn't very um, tight on your side. I mean, are you looking at ensuring, you know, that you have proper security office on the officers on the trains? What's happening? I mean, we have had Brett Heron saying that they're even going to put in money as well now. Look, I think we need to, to have...